Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and ask us. Well, the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost. Exercise for Prostate Cancer Incorporated. A not-for-profit charity set up in 2012 by myself. If you want to know any more information about Prost, including our online service now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. So stop for a second and listen. It's not silent at all. Hi, welcome to the Penis Project Podcast. This is Dr. Joe Milios, and this week we're going to be meeting Glenn, a young man diagnosed with testicular cancer. In the month of November, it's been really important for Melissa and I to talk about the topics associated with all that is Movember. This includes awareness of men's health, mental health, prostate cancer, and testicular cancer. And for Glenn, it was basically a challenging situation because he was about 1,000 kilometres away from a major city in Australia. And so he felt quite isolated when coming to seek help for changes that he noticed in his testicles. And what basically happened was for six months he'd noticed some changes, but he kept putting it off. And this led to potentially a serious situation. Um, Fortunately, Glenn has a positive story to share, but we really want you to take this on board Understand that testicular cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer in young men between 18 and 35, affecting 1-2% to of the population. And important to just know your own body, that opportunity to um, feel and scan what's normal for you. Melissa and I will actually add in the show notes uh, a link to testing your own um, scrotum and testicles to share this knowledge and um, to know your own nuts is the campaign um, for April Testicular Awareness Month, and we'll make sure we have some info for you. So, over to Glenn, and thanks for joining us. So, Glenn, you were diagnosed with testicular cancer. How long ago? Uh, so, I'm three years out of chemo, and then it was about six months. So, yeah, three years and six months. Three years and six months. So, what? And so when you were diagnosed, what happened? What did you have to do? Actually, first up, tell us about how you discovered it. Um, yeah, well, it's a funny story, but so I'm a funny story, so carpenter, builder. <laughs> yeah, I'm a builder by trade, and um, driving work trucks around or jumping in and out of the trucks, it's sort of noticed something wasn't quite right, and um, it starts off small, and you don't think anything of it. Um, you just readjusted myself, and then I thought you know 
being a typical guy, nothing's wrong with me. And then. Um, so when you said it started off small, did, did the pain start off small or was the lump small or was it, the penis small? It, nah, it went, my nut went hard. And yeah, uh, typical guy thing, you, you think nothing's wrong with you. Um, I was busy with work at the time, um, didn't have time to go to the doctors. Um, and yeah, I sort of knew something was wrong for probably six months before I actually went to see a doctor. And well, as I said, it started off small. Um, and then as it gradually got bigger and bigger and, you know, you get scared, you Mm -hmm. don't really want, and like we had a lot of cancer in our family as well. So sort of looking at, you know, at 32 years old, sort of having to go down that path as well. Um, I lost my uncle to cancer. I lost my grandfather. Uh, my auntie had a bout of bowel, uh, bowel cancer. And, yeah, also my grandma's not doing too well with about now too. So, uh-huh. so it's, in, in your face, yeah. you don't, I don't want to deal with that right now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, you sort of bury your head, head in the sand and think the problem's going to go away, but. Uh, in reality, no, sort of. Were you waking up at night the... and thinking, what on earth is going on with this? Uh, not really. Um, it was, I really got concerned with it once I had my ultrasound and the doctor sort of confirmed it. Um, that's when I started hitting the panic button. So, what made you um, finally go to the doctor? I was seeing a nurse at the time. And she was the one that kicked my ass and told me to to get into hospital. And, so and, seeing uh, a nurse, you were dating a nurse? Uh, you could see Melissa and not necessarily her. <laughs> yeah, you could be seeing a nurse, like looking yeah. at her, or you could be dating a nurse. You're dating a nurse? going to have to cut this out. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is um, like just we're born in 1971 and so it's yeah. just like seeing and dating. Yeah, just we're just, yeah. Court, yeah. We could say yeah. courting, but I don't know if that would... You know, kind of thing. <laughs> okay, so let's we'll cut just, to the When the nurse felt your testicle, did she go, whoa, this is weird? Doesn't feel right? Uh, yeah, she was the one that said you really need to get it checked out. Ah, um, good. Okay. And was it larger or was it just harder or sore? Uh, it was getting sore towards the end and it mm-hmm. had to go. Um, and that's partly the reason why it went as well. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Her encouraging me to go play a big part. Saved your life. Um, yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have left it, it as long as I did. Yeah. Can I just go one step further? Because I'm a yoga teacher as well as a physiotherapist, and I always want guys to recognise that the small changes in their body are something that shouldn't be dismissed. Because it, you know, girls as females, we have a monthly menstrual cycle, so we get the opportunity to sort of scan our bodies from one cycle to the next. And we tend to know that if we're a little bit different from one month to the next, we immediately start talking to our sisters, our girlfriends, our friends, and we check in with each other. And then if that sounds a bit odd to one of our girlfriends, then we when we kind of action it pretty quickly to the doctor. Plus we have, you know, pap smears and all sorts of things. We have to go to the doctor anyway to get, uh, you know, the pill or whatever regularly. So we're, we're accessing doctors a lot more often. So I'm really curious as to get you to wind back to that Maybe six months at the beginning, what was going yeah. on? Yeah. What you were feeling? Yeah, so it was a funny story. 
one of the carpenters that was working for me at the time, his brother actually had a bout of testicular cancer and mm. one smoker, we were sitting down and I was quizzing, quizzing the bloke about it, about his brother, you know, and um, because I knew something was wrong I, yeah. and I didn't even talk to anyone about it. I didn't talk to my brother. I didn't talk to anyone. And, it, and it's probably the area that it's in. You know, yeah. you do sort of feel self-conscious about it. Um, last thing you want to do is go and see a GP and have to drop your dax and, yeah. you know, have a guy feel you up. But, yeah. you know, I mean, now that I've gone through it all, I'm fine with it. It was just prior to going through everything, you know, um, the initial step, step getting into it, you know. Like, at the end of the day, there's nothing to be ashamed of, you know. Everyone gets sick. It's not your own fault. Um, yeah. And, yeah, the... Yeah, and the longer you leave it, the worse it gets, you know. So right so. back at the beginning, six months in, can you do you remember the first day you felt something a bit different? I think you said getting in and out of the truck, you noticed something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just, it, it went rock hard. Um, I didn't know if it was a cyst or... or... Rock hard. His nuts went rock hard. No, 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 I'm just trying to work it out because... <laughs> That's what we, I'm trying to understand and we can actually see because we're Zooming and we can see some facial expressions, but those listening can't. can't. So I'm, you know, we're, we're, I'm just trying to piece this together for the audience as well. For the listener, he's yeah. blushing. Yeah. We're talking about the testicular. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Testicular area went hard. Yep. Yeah. So it was a soft lump and it, it went hard over time. Is that what happened? It, it started off really small. Yeah. So it was like a hard area and then so instead of it being squishy like normal, it yeah, yeah it just started and then it grew. And then towards the end you could really feel that it, there was something there and that it needed to go, yeah. yeah. And did it look bigger than the other one? Yeah, you could definitely feel that there was a size difference, yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. Okay. And so then you went to the GP and was it a male GP or a female GP? Male, yeah. And how did you broach the subject? Um, yeah, I just asked him. I said, look, I've got something wrong with one of my testicles. Mm-hmm. Check it out. So he said, yep, um, drop your dax, have a feel. Straight into have a... Um, ultrasound, is it? Ultrasound, yep. So had the ultrasound and the sonographer, he pretty much all said, Right, I'm going to refer you back to the GP in the hospital. Right. Um, so he sat me down um, without even the photos going down to Perth to the specialist. He um, he sat me down. He said, look, you're pretty sure that this is what you've got. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be fine. You're going to have surgery. You're going to have chemo, but you're going to live. Um, he said it's... So this was the ultrasound no GP. Oh no, this was that was from the GP in oh, in the yeah. in the public hospital. Yeah. Right. So originally, my first appointment was with a private practice up here, and then to to have the ultrasound, we had to go to the public hospital. So, yeah, sure. so yeah, just so, um, Glenn lives a thousand kilometres from the Perth metropolitan area. So that's also a, a trick, isn't it? Getting into specialists and things like that. Yeah, so the next day at work I got the call from the specialist and they pretty much all said, right, we're booking in next week. I think this was on a Friday. Uh, Travelled down on a weekend, 
uh, had the appointment with him, um, had dramas getting a anaesthetist to knock me out. So we had to travel home, spend two weeks back up here, then head back down to have surgery. It must have been a scary couple um, weeks turning around. You know, how did you feel when the doctor said the C word? Yeah, I was pretty scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just just not knowing as well. Um, as I said, cancer is a pretty big thing in my family and and uh, I've seen what it does to people and, uh, and, you know, as soon as the doctor says the C word, yeah, you do get scared. Um, so, yeah, a few tears. <laughs> but... did, you share the no- did you share what you knew with your family and your friends then or not? Did you wait until you went to Perth? No, no, I actually, my parents were in Perth at the time, um, I think for an engagement party or something, and I actually rang them up. I said, you better have to stay down there a little while longer because I'm coming down to go and see a, see a doctor. So, yeah, that was one of the hardest phone calls having to make, um, yeah. telling my parents so I, I was crook over the telephone. Um, yeah. Last thing they want to really hear as well. But Yeah, you know, especially when you're the, the young, fit one in the family, like you're, what, 29 then, and, you know, you're the invincible one, really. I was, I was 32 at the time, yeah. Oh, 32, 32 sorry. Um, it was three years ago? Yeah, yeah. so you're 35 now. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, just turned 36, yeah. Well, right. okay. Yeah. okay. So we're going to, I think, I'd love to now ask you a little bit more info about the surgery and how all that went. Um, surgery went good. Um, you never forget the names of the doctors that, you know, yeah. saved your life, I suppose. Um, was that I was a- trembling when, mm. what was that, sorry? I'm oh, sorry, I was just going to say, was it, were you in hospital for long or how long was uh, it? I just stayed overnight, just stayed oh, overnight. Okay. Um, what did you, you say know, you were trembling when? When I was getting, uh, when the anaesthetist was putting me under, <laughs> I remember yeah, yeah, shaking yeah. on the table and, the nurse was just holding my hand going, you'll be all right, you'll be all right. And, uh, and how, we, what went through your head? Were you worried about your future fertility and your future function? Like what was going through your head at that stage? And did anyone explain to you what would happen? Yeah, so as far as the fertility side goes, um, had to deposit <laughs> some in the freezer, I suppose you'd call it, yeah, prior. Yeah. Um, which that was one of the most awkwardest things we've done or I've done mm. in my life. Um, once again, it's not nice to do, but, you know, it's got to be done. Um, yeah, and that didn't really worry me at that stage. I just wanted to sort of make sure I was mm. going to be healthy again at the end of the day, you know. like As I said, 32 years old, I was pretty scared that what was going to be the outcome. But, um, mm. So did they do scans and things, like body scans, to make sure it wasn't anywhere else? Yep. I had a full CT scan. Um, they picked up a lump in my lung and then nothing else really. So, but where yeah. they... Was that benign or did that need treatment? No. They're still sitting there. I'm not sure exactly what it is. They're just keeping an eye on it. Um, okay. So I've had CTs. I think I had two years every six months and then I'm having one a year at the moment. And nothing's changed um, that at all? Nothing's changed, no. 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 And so then chemo, you had... Can I just ask oh, one sorry. question? Yeah, sorry. Um, the, the actual operation, was there much pain, swelling? How long was the recovery process from the operation? Oh, yeah, it was 
the most pain I've ever been in. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they, they cut me open up on your abdomen and sort of pull it out from up top. Um, and, yeah, it was probably one of the most painful things I've been through. Um, and still to this day, I can still feel the numbness in there. Like, it's still not the same, but, you know, it's, it's not... Did they offer you a prosthesis, like a little um, implant at the time? Yeah, they did. Yeah, but the chances of um, infection were higher, so I didn't worry about it. There's not to worry about it. Yeah. Mm. And does that make you feel uneven or you're pretty comfortable? It's like, you know, uh, I guess sorry to ask that question, but I, I actually teach men to do their pelvic floor and I say lift your nuts to your guts as a way of getting the pelvic floor muscle contracting. So I say squeeze the front passage, stop the flow of urine and lift your nuts to your guts. And every once in a while a man will say, I've only got one nut because I had testicular cancer 20 years ago. And then I say, lift your nut to your gut. And, <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of humour in that. But I think down the track men will have humour with it, but not not at this, you know, young tender age when you're, you know, post-op initially. So... I I do a little bit of lecturing at Curtin University in sexology and one of the topics I talk about is actually testicular cancer and Know Your Nuts. It's an international campaign every April about being aware of testicular cancer and how it all feels. And I I personally think it would be great if guys did a once a month um, assessment of their um, testes as well. We know that uh, testicular cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer in young men under 35. And um, it's a simple way of assessing it just by knowing what your, you know, testes normally feel like and um, little lumps and bumps and things like that. But the the thing I always say in my lecturing is that, you know, the prosthesis are available, uh, but not necessarily ever had that conversation where I understand that you would advise there might be a little bit of a risk with infection, so you chose not to worry about it. Yeah, like, as I said, it didn't really worry me. Um, And how did the pain like how long did you feel were you in pain after the surgery oh dear i think a good couple of weeks um they give you good drugs but i didn't really sort of take them that much to be honest um i think the worst thing after surgery was i didn't know exactly what the next step was after that yeah. um so i found out later which they've got to allow your wound to heal before you start chemo. Um, yeah. Which I didn't know at the time. Um, right, so you were just left hanging sort of after the surgery, were you? Yeah, exactly. Oh, so okay. we travelled We travelled home. <laughs> I, I, and, I was, yeah, anyway, I was... And, and <laughs> just, just not working. You, you, you don't have anything to take your mind off it. Um, yeah. Sitting at home, you know, just you know, waiting for for the phone call from the from the yeah. oncologist to, to make the appointment, you know. And yeah. So yeah, as I said, just not knowing exactly what was going on and, and oncology does a massive business in Perth at the moment. Um, I went into Hollywood to a private practice down there and um, yeah just just initially not knowing exactly what was going to be the next step. Um, that was probably one of the worst things as well. You know, the the pain didn't really bother me as much as not knowing if you know. What I mean. The anguish of not knowing, and I know most times we've been in hospital, and you know, I'm a health professional. I'm sitting by his side, by his bedside, knowing 
there I was capable of fixing people all day long as a physiotherapist and powerless in the destiny of my own son because I'm waiting for that same phone call. What are we doing for him? What's next? And when you're a patient, you're very vulnerable. You're waiting for someone to direct your life more or less. And, you know, you're, you're another person in the queue and it, it takes a long time to get, get to your number. So it, yeah. it's really tough being a patient. Yeah. yeah. So how long was it before Over. you had chemo? I think they left it about a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I yeah, I had there was a plumber up here, a good mate of mine. He um, when he found out small country town, everyone sort of knew pretty quick, yeah. and um, he come and see me straight away um, before I even had an operation. Oh, and he nice. said, "Look, this is this is what's going to happen because he actually had it himself." And uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. So there's almost three people was, that we know, including yourself, now up there. Yep, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So. Wow, that's a lot of young guys for a small town, really, isn't it? Do you know the statistics yeah. there of how how common it is? No, no. I do. It's I'm going to say one to two percent of young men between eighteen and thirty-five. So yeah. it's about two men per hundred. It's mm. not that uncommon. Mm. Yeah, it's not, is it? When you look at the stats that way, so. Glenn, you had the chemo and you had to stay in Perth for that? Yep, yep, stayed in Hollywood. Um, and how many treatments did you have to have? How did all that, over how long? Only one bout over a month. So really I got out of it scot-free. Um, well, not much. So. There's did a lot worse of people, I thought. What was that, sorry? Any side effects from the chemotherapy that you recall? Yeah, chemo was pretty average. Um, metallic taste in your mouth, uh, not being able to sleep from the steroids that they're giving you. Mm-hmm. Um, cannulation that took nine goes because, yeah, it was middle of winter, I think, yeah. and I was also scared. So all my all my veins shrunk into my arms and mm-hmm. yeah. I think about three hours it took for them to initial um, cannulate me. And I don't uh, think you got off scot-free. No, not at all. <laughs> did you keep your hair or did, did you lose it? No, lost my hair, lost everything, yeah. So, and then how long yeah. was it before, after all of that, that you were back at work and feeling normal again? Oh, I think probably about two and a half, three months. Still not feeling normal. Obviously not doing anything physical for so long, you, you sort of, Lose a bit, and I'd, I'd say chemo would knock you around as well. Um, definitely, yeah. Definitely. I did overcook it when I did go back to work. Um, just trying to do too much too soon. I'm back now, and I'm ready to go. Like I'm re, yeah. I'm reclaiming yeah. my life. I'm back at it. I'm here. Yeah, just get back to normal. Yeah. yeah. Get it. I don't want to deal with that anymore. It's in the past. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Was there any other treatment that you needed, like medications, radiotherapy, anything that was on the menu for you, or you just? No. No, just, you had the surgery, then you had a month of chemotherapy with a month gap in between, and then you got back to work yep. two or three months later. If you really look back and it's now three years, how long do you reckon it actually impacted on your life for? Was it three months, 12 months? Is it still? Uh, you forget about it now. Is it still? I think you're never going to forget what you went through. Yeah. Um, 
it sort of it 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 has changed me. I think it, it puts a lot of things in perspective. Yeah, I know. Um, um, there are a lot more important things in life sometimes as well, you know. Um, so how has it changed you? What, what, what in your perspective do you think has changed? I don't know. Look after your health. Don't leave it for six months before you do something about it, um, mm-hmm. like what I did. Um, do you talk, you talk to, to other young, young men about it? Like is it a conversation that maybe other guys are confident to say, hey, Glenn, like I'm a bit worried. Like that happens a lot with my yeah. older. Yeah, a couple of guys have had a yarn with me about it um, yep. and I'm open to talking about it. I'm, as I said, there's nothing to be ashamed of just because of where it is. Um, mm. Yeah. You know, it was, wasn't anyone's fault. You, mm-hmm. you can't do anything do you, about it. Do you live your life any different now? Like do you work differently or do you play differently? Drink less or? beer. Yeah. I don't take no, I risks anymore. Do I, I hate I hate t- taking risks um, because yeah, life is precious and it's you know life is short. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm still drinking beer. <laughs> um, okay, now I had a conversation with a patient today, and I said, you know, you've got prostate cancer, you're incontinent, and I want to help you get through it, but I'm struggling a little bit with the word couple or a few. When guys say, I've had a couple beers or a few <laughs> and in the end we nailed it this guy was actually drinking 10 it is like six liters of beer when he was saying it's a couple so so this is a bit of a general men's health message i guess as well is we know that the self al- safe alcohol um, limit is two alcohol drinks per day or yeah. you don't really want to have yeah. more than four in one sitting so i know you yeah. you live up north in a country town but you know we were talking to craig ellingham um just in our last podcast and he very much talks about, you know, knowing what is a good, healthy um, way of changing behaviours and things like that. So I guess Melissa and I are also trying to get that message out to guys and wondering whether or not, I guess, you having been through this experience, if you've modified your behaviours in any way, not not to point the finger at you, but just to see whether or not it impacted you to make you think, <laughs> a sec, you know, take a pause for a moment and see, you know, at, at, at first it did. At first yep. I didn't drink for a long time after. Um, yep. I've changed to mid-strengths now. That's all I drink. Right. Um, yeah. When I was talking to my oncologist about it, he said two units of alcohol a day is a safe safe mm-hmm. um, level. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I said, two units, what's a unit? And he said, well, <laughs> one unit is, yeah, is like one full strength, so. Mm. Um, so it's not a lot, but as he said too, he's like, "Look, I'm not going to practice what I preach because yeah. you still have to live your life." At the end of the day, too, he goes, "I know, you, you know, you're a trader. You'd work up north. Of course, you're yeah. going to drink beer." Um, mm-hmm. He read me like a book. So. <laughs> I'm going to share something with you because I did actually just finish some research studies, and I'm driving along to work one morning, and I, I do start pretty early at six a.m. Bit like you, really, as a tradie. And um, sometimes 5.30, um, but I'm listening to the world news and I hear this study and I really pick, pick, pick it up because it says an international study has just interviewed more than 250,000 participants and we found the sweet spot, sweet spot, sorry, to prevent um, cancer, any cancer is two standard drinks per week. Jesus. I know. There wouldn't sorry. be a single person north of... Of Perth that drank that. I well, don't I, think. I'm I'm that because 
I mm. or north of Perth. No, I'm right in the middle. You're mm. right. Mm. Yeah. So so one of the messages we want to share is that if you have alcohol, you can it does actually cause a inflammatory reaction. Therefore, your body has to sweep it up and cleanse it all and everything. So this is the month of November still. We're going to continue talking about men's health things, but November is all about prostate cancer awareness, testicular awareness, and mental health in men. And I think in Australia, we have a little bit of a drinking culture. And um, like this guy today, who was actually our primary school headmaster, he was the one that was saying, I had a few, and I do nine-hour drinking sessions because that's what we do. And I, I, I said, look, I couldn't do that. I drink two, two drinks, that's my limit. And then my body says, oh, no more, Joe. And so yeah. I guess this is a broader conversation, but, you know, it's interesting just how we measure our health, I guess, and alcohol, two stand drinks per week. I'm throwing it out there because I want people to think about that. So, yeah. Glenn, you're three years down the track now. What, what What's life like from a day-to-day basis for you? In terms of um, having dealt with testic- mm. testicular cancer, yeah. Yeah, life's back to normal, I yep. think. Um, wouldn't say that much has changed a hell of a lot. Um, you know, mm. it was, it was, yeah, it, yeah, it was a experience, I'll tell you that. Um, I just hope mm. I don't have to go through it again. I was going yeah. to say the ongoing management. So back to your surgeon's advice, I, I'm gathering he probably checked on you once every six months or a year and then usually after three years they say, you're okay, you know, we won't see you again. That's what they do in prostate cancer management. But I guess that you do have another testicle. So what's the management on that one? What was the advice for you? Um, so I'm seeing, still seeing the oncologist now. I'm seeing him for five years after chemo. Mm-hmm. Um, I just seen him probably a couple months back. Do you have like yearly scans um, or anything? So yeah, we I think we're dropping out. To, so I'm still having blood tests. Um, so at first it was three monthly, pushed out to six, and then twelve month. Um, so I'm still having like a cancer count or what's what's the blood? Yeah, count? I think they're looking for like the the blood counts. Don't quote me on this. I'm not a doctor, but um, looking yeah, for the tumor markers. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have to do self checks of your remaining nut, or do you do that? Um, yeah, I suppose in the shower. Um, also, the doctor doesn't when yeah. I when I go down to see him. So. And what about and I, and you know I'm going to ask this question because you weren't going to get out of this without me asking. But is everything else functioning down there okay, or do you need help now that you didn't need before? No, everything's still the same. Everything's still the same. Ah, so that's good news. That's great news. Mm, yeah. As I'm I said, I still you still you still got an area of numbness where where the actual um, operation was, but I don't think that's going to Sorry to butt in, but mm. when I was twenty, I had ovarian cysts and uh, I had pain every month. And it turns out when they went to do an operation on me, I didn't have any other ovaries. I had to protect it pretty carefully but in that operation I got quite a numb leg and it sort of it's actually still I won't say married too much but even to this day I feel it's a bit different it's a bit more sensitive I guess I wouldn't say it's pain I wouldn't say it's numb it's just 
that my whole right side and down my right leg is all associated with the right ovarian cyst surgery that I had. But I, it turns out that I never actually had an ovary on the left side. It was just a, a de deformity, I guess, from actually my mum taking some um, anti-nausea anti medication in pregnancy. But, um, yeah, it, it feels a little bit different, but it doesn't bother me at all. Like, it, it's just part of me now and, you know. I That's really right, yeah. You just, you just uh, like, hey, learn to, yeah. Has that numbness got less over time? Because nerves take a very long time to heal. So perhaps over time, or has it stayed the same? I thought it stayed the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you had, because we'll wrap, your, wrap it up soon, if you had a, a message to give to other young guys, what would it be? Don't bury your head in the sand mm -hmm. like I did for six months. Just go and see the doctor. Um, yeah, it's nothing to be ashamed of, like, as I said, I, because of the area that it's in and, and um, just being a typical bloke, thinking nothing's wrong with you. you know, there's nothing wrong with going to see a doctor to, to get it checked out, that's for sure. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. And do you have any other questions to ask, Joe? Yeah, just that the long-term um, prospects of fertility, I'm, I'm not going to ask you, um, you know, I don't think you have any kids at the moment, but have you been advised from the doctor that you should have normal fertility and is, is that sort of on the horizon for you? They never really went down that path. Right. Um, so they never checked anything afterwards either. So, and is that something you'd like to do? To have kids. Or would you like to check whether how your fertility is, if the option's there? Mm, I haven't really thought about it, to be honest, because I've always got the backup in the freezer. Yeah, you got the freezer ones. Yeah, you got the ones on ice, so it's not a big problem. Yeah, so in my experience in terms of only teaching it, I have had very few patients with it, um, but I see them years down the track. They've gone on to have normal life bundles of kids. As far as I understand, if you've got one testy and you're producing um, testosterone, as I did with one ovary, I went on to have three children, never missed a beat, you know, just, just the way that it is. So in terms of my understanding of it, it's... Life as per normal. Mm. Um, I'm sure you would have been advised otherwise. And it's kind of reassuring, I guess, to just um, let other guys know that we can have a normal life ongoing. Mm. Yeah. It would have been nice if someone had have actually had that conversation with you probably earlier on, though. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, they probably don't realise that, you know, we don't know what's going on. They, they know exactly what's going yeah. on. So I think that's a big problem with us health professionals. I think we often assume everyone knows what we know without actually realising they don't. And I also want to give the apologies. A little while ago in the podcast, I actually said, I know what you mean, but I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I, I, I'm a female and I, I don't really have the, the right to say. It was in the context of my son being in hospital and feeling a bit, you know, challenged by the situation, but I don't know what you mean. You 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 went through what you went through and I went through what I went through. But, you know, it's just so awesome that you shared your story with us, Glenn, because... We really wanted to, to raise this topic in November because that's a big focus of November and to have a young guy being really frank about it, you know, it's a tough topic. But, yeah, I want to thank you because I haven't worked with you, but Melissa said Glenn is, is, a, is an awesome young man and you are. So thank you. So thanks heaps, Glenn. And we're not going to be playing this in November because we've missed the boat. So we're going to be, it's going to be an ode to November in December. And um, we'll send the link. So thanks heaps. And I think Not a drama. mentioned something about we'll just keep on keep on going all through the year anyway because why should men's health just be in one month? Let's 
yeah. 50% of the population. Let's keep the conversation rolling. And that's what we're doing in the Penis Project podcast. So thanks so much. No drama. It's been there all of my life. Dr. Joe here. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We aim to release one podcast per fortnight, so please keep in touch so you know when new podcasts are being released. Also, be sure to check out the show notes below so that we can all keep the conversation going. Campfires and bugs, smoking bark in a cubby up a tree. Try to ignore fate.